The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and the home of the highly anticipated and mostly funny Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's doing well. Listen, I just had a police officer come to my door, said he was looking for a man with one eye. I said, uh, you should use both. You might find him quicker. Yeah, yo. <laughs> that one wasn't bad. Uh, <laughs> Duff is definitely uh, always on the edge of comedy and ridiculosity. But go see Guns N' Roses kill it on stage. They're doing dates all summer long into the middle of October, including the Power Trip Festival in Indio, California on October 6th. Ticket info at GunsNRoses.com. And come rock with Fozzie as well. The biggest headlining show in Fozzie history in London. Spotlight on London, Friday, August 25th at the O2 Forum, Kentish Town. Fozzie plays on Friday, and then AEW All-In Sunday, August 27th at Wembley. FozzieRock.com is all ticket information for the O2 Forum and VIP info as well. All right, today on the show, we're getting into the recent congressional hearings on UFOs and the whistleblower who came forward to share lots of details about the UFO recovery program and reverse engineering happening. David Grush is a retired Air Force intelligence officer who was also an advisor to the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, He testified at the hearings that non-human biological material has been recovered from supposed UFO crash sites, and there's actually been a secret program working on reverse engineering extraterrestrial aircraft recovered from crash sites. He testified that it's been going on for decades. So I've got investigator, author, and host of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, Ryan Sprague, returning to the show to break down David Grush's incredible testimony and discuss the timing and the reasons behind it. Ryan also has details about an investigation he's been doing with someone else who's recovered debris from the infamous Roswell crash site. He'll share what the scientific examinations have revealed about the debris, and he's talking about Canada's recent first foray into UFO and alien investigation and how their approach differs from the United States. And we're going to get into NASA's big UFO report that's coming out in a few weeks, what might be in it and why it's so important It's a great conversation about everything happening in the world of unidentified anomalous phenomena. That's another word. That's what they're referring to UFOs as well. Here we go with Ryan Sprague right here on Talk is Jericho. We got um, the returning Ryan Sprague here. And this is the first time. I think the last time we did this, we were over the phone, right? Yeah, it was a while ago, man. We I think the uh, the New York Times article had just kind of dropped about UFOs and right and all that, and so much has happened since then. So, um, yeah, plenty to talk about. Yeah, you're talking about pre-pandemic, I think. So, once yeah. again, just you just set the tone right there. There's so much to talk about because it's interesting to me in that you know we're talking about you know the congressional UFO hearings, but we're talking about it. Like the world is not talking about this the way that you would expect. Just off the top, do you feel that people still don't take it seriously and still think it's just a bunch of hogwash and hooey? So, you know, I feel like that that stench of ridicule is never truly going to leave. It's just so ingrained, I think. And it's kind of been that way since, you know, the United States Air Force first got involved with the top of of UFOs back during the Project Blue Book days. Right. That was their big thing. They wanted to discount all these witnesses coming forward, little green men, Martians, and all that stuff. 
Um, when in reality, there was a huge issue going on that these things were being seen in our skies that couldn't be explained. However, that stigma, that ridicule factor stayed for many years. And even now, when you have UFO congressional hearings happening, and you have the most credible Navy pilots reporting UFOs in the sky that outmaneuvered them, and then you have this whistleblower coming forward Mm. saying that there are recovery programs of UFOs, and we're reverse engineering the technology, Uh, no one's batting an eye. It's crazy, man. Like We just move on to the next story in the news, and it never even happened, even though this stuff is ultimately, if proven true, will change the world forever. No, and, and that's what I mean. It blows my mind because this is a pretty big deal, man. I mean, you're talking about UFOs being real, and yet it's, like you mentioned, on to the next topic. And you know, it's it just... And I think, like you said, the ridicule factor, I think there's a lot of just denial, maybe, of people just wanting to just, oh, come on, there's no way. But let's talk about what exactly is going on. Explain kind of what's happened at these hearings, who's leading them, who's listening to them, who's there, and what what do you think it's leading to and accomplishing it at this moment in time? Sure. So, you know, we can kind of trace this back again to 2017 when the New York Times published a article that uh, there was a secret Pentagon UFO program that had been kind of working in the shadows for many, many years. Again, we thought this all ended back when Project Blue Book closed in the 1950s, uh, yeah. late 60s. Now, Project Blue Book, of course, was the investigative you know, government force that was looking into UFOs. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, they came out on the other side sort of saying, there's nothing to it. We can explain most of it. Not a national security threat. We're done. We're done investigating this hooey. And then, you know, we come to find out in the New York Times, they've been investigating it all along in secret, in black budget programs. And this actually came forward by the former head of that program, a gentleman named Luis Elizondo. You know, all the courage to this guy for, you know, resigning from his position, coming out and kind of um, blowing the whistle on this secret program. And it was kind of a um, pressure cooker from there. The public was now getting more interested Congress members were now paying attention, being like, wait a second, there are programs out there investigating UFOs and they're using taxpayer dollars, yet there's no oversight of these programs. We don't know about them. We don't know where the money's going, what the discoveries or data is telling us about UFOs. That's that's not that's not the way this democracy works, mm. quote unquote. So um, what you have is in the past few months, this UFO whistleblower, a gentleman named Dave Grush. Uh, he's a former intelligence officer. He came forward in a a news media website that I actually work for called The Debrief. And man, the things he was saying were insane. I mean, he said he, while working with the Pentagon and the Department of Defense, he spoke to over 40 individuals who worked on programs that recovered downed UFOs. So we're talking the Roswell UFO crash, the Aztec UFO crash, all these crashes that have allegedly happened in UFO mythology, Mm -hmm. according to this guy, were real. And not only did we recover the craft, but there were quote unquote, non-human biologics found with these craft as well. AKA alien creatures. Exactly, man. If we wanted to take it that way, yeah. He's very careful with his wording on all this, which I think is, um, it's why I like this guy. He's not ready to just say these are little little gray men, little green (laughs) men from Mars. But um, the reason he came forward is because he filed a complaint with the inspector general of all people and said that there are programs working illegally outside of the purview of the United States government and outside of congressional oversight. And all of this money is being put into reverse engineering the technology that they have uncovered from these UFOs. Mm -hmm. And he swore this under oath, man, at a congressional hearing this past week, July 26th, to the House Oversight Committee. If any of what this guy is saying is is found to be not true, he goes to jail. Hmm. So either this dude is literally insane and doesn't give two Fs about what happens to him, which I don't believe. He held some of the highest positions in our intelligence community. Or he's telling the truth. And we're about to find out that UFOs exist, aliens exist, and we've known about it for a really long time. 
So much to un- unpack here. So when he says there's, you know, these these biological alien, you know, beings or not alien, biological beings, I'm assuming like when I've never been to a congressional hearing. So when he's up there telling these things, there were people asking him questions in return. And what kind of questions was he getting asked? Were people taking it seriously and saying, where are these beings? Where are these crafts? Kind of how, how far do they go into it at that point? Yeah, sure. So, you know, when I first heard that this hearing was happening, I was a little nervous. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a total shit show. Like, this is going to be a circus. Yeah. But I was, I came out on the other side, like blown away by the seriousness and the, the serious nature that these congressional members took this. And not only that, we're talking bipartisan. So like you had Tim Burchett and Anna Luna, two extreme Republicans. And on the other side, you had Robert Garcia and uh, Jared Moskowitz, two Democrats working together to try to um, figure out if any of this is true and what needs to be done about it. And I was really impressed with the homework that all of these congressional members did. It was the most highly attended congressional hearing like mm-hmm. since like God, we're talking back like during the like JFK stuff or right. congressional hearings. I mean, they had a line out the door. They had to kick people out and um, turn people away from this thing. It was crazy. Two and a half hours. These three individuals, I should say, two Navy pilots also testified under oath about their UFO encounters on the East and West Coasts. It was beyond any expectations I ever could have had. And now it's a matter of what are these congressional members going to do with that information? Like, how are they going to pursue that? And actually, like within days after the hearing, we learned that many, again, of these bipartisan Congress members are forming a subcommittee to subpoena those people who actually worked on these reverse engineering programs to talk to them, to get them under oath and figure out what is going on where all this money is going, and what are these UFOs that they have recovered? I'm sure the question that everybody asks is why now? Like, is there, you think there's some kind of an end game to this or it just, the time was just right? And why, why was the time right if that's the case as well? I've been asking myself that question every single day. Why is this happening now? Why all of a sudden is uh, Congress getting interested? Why, uh, and directly after this congressional hearing, the Senate majority leader, too. And I know this gets all boring when it comes to like politics, but like the Senate majority leader is putting legislation into action that says that if these programs exist, whatever craft have been recovered need to be returned to the U.S. government for further study. Wow. And also that all UFO documents from the past like 50 years need to be declassified and given to the public. So the response to this is insane, man. Like this is no longer like stories from Bob Lazar. Right. And on coast to coast AM. Yeah. yeah. Like this is on the floors of Congress, man. And people can get in serious trouble if any of this is proven to be fictitious or they're lying about it. Yeah. Especially for this guy, Dave Grush, this whistleblower, man. Like he has so much to lose by coming forward with all of this, but he has given the names of these programs, the names of the individuals, and where these craft are allegedly being stored right now. He gave these to senators. Again, yeah, <laughs> it's all there. He's laid it all out for them. Like, here's what I'm telling you. Go do your job and figure out what this is. So why now is a really good question. I think there is something, a dam's about to break, man. Mm-hmm. No matter what UFOs are or aren't, I think we're facing the reality that they exist. It's now the harder questions to ask. What are they? Where do they come from? Um, What is the implication of telling the public what we know about it? I, I feel like something's on the precipice and this information needs to get out now. And there are people within at least the United States government who do want it out. And that's what we're seeing play out right now. It's it, I never thought I would see this day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
you think that when you're talking about like Dave Dave Grush, I always think when when these guys come out, you mentioned whistleblower that he's gonna just disappear one day. Like never mind what's gonna happen to him if he's lying. What's gonna happen to him if he tells the truth? Absolutely. This guy worked for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He held some of the highest clearances the United States government has to offer. So again, the fact that he came to the inspector general and said, investigate this, um, he has so much to lose. So I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be telling the truth. Sure. I actually spoke to him about two weeks ago. Wow. Over the phone. So I mean, mind you, I didn't look the guy in the eye. I didn't shake his hand. But um, he seems like such a genuine, sincere guy who just wants the truth out about a cover-up that he discovered while working within the intelligence agencies. And he wants he wants it out there. He thinks the American public deserve that. They're paying for these programs to exist. They need to get some of that information. So yeah, man, I believe him. I believe that he believes what he's saying is true. Sure, sure. Now it's a matter of what will that investigation uncover and we're going to see that play out in the, the coming months, I can tell you that much. Well, once again, legislation about to be passed, and I'll, I'll read the quote here, declassifies all UFO documents from the past 50 plus years and any UFOs recovered or being stored either by a government body or private company must be handed over to the government. So this is actual legislation that the, that is going to go through? It's going to pass. From what I've been told, uh, we will be getting that in the National Defense Authorization Act of 2024. So this is huge, man. I mean, this is going to be a law that if there's UFOs being housed at like Boeing or Raytheon or um, any of these private companies, that's another big thing. We, we've heard for years in the UFO conspiracy world that when these things were recovered, they're not being housed at Area 51. They're not being housed by a military installation, quote unquote. They're going to put it somewhere that doesn't have to answer to the United States government or to Congress. And that's private companies. So Dave Grush has said he knows for a fact that a lot of our aerospace companies, I won't name them because I don't know for sure. I don't want to be like, yeah. you know, <laughs> sending anyone over to like SpaceX banging on the door or anything. But um, <laughs> apparently these private space companies, aerospace companies are in possession of this technology. And that's a problem too. If one of these companies has groundbreaking technology from a UFO, and has that advantage yeah. over another private aerospace company, that's going to create havoc when it comes to stocks and, and all that stuff. So um, I think that's why they push these things into private companies so that they don't have to answer for it, so that they can implement that technology and help a brother out, I guess, when it comes to uh, Boeing or Raytheon <laughs> or any of those guys. So um it's so confusing and convoluted, but that's the way cover-ups work so that you never unravel the mystery, I guess. Well, and it seems if there's a government rule that you have to, you know, release your UFOs and crafts and stuff, that would mean there'd be quite the panic, I think, from the general public, right? Yeah, you always go back to that War of the Worlds thing sure. you know, when that radio broadcast happened and people went nuts. Can the public... Can they handle the truth with UFOs? I think at this point, man, like we can pretty much handle anything. Like we came out of the other side of a right. pandemic, wars being fought, famine, hunger, climate change, like insert issue on planet Earth here. So I think we could handle if UFOs exist and if they are being piloted by non-human biologics, as Dave Grush calls them, <laughs> I think we can handle it. So I, I don't see that as an excuse anymore to keep this cover up going just reading reading your new york post article and just thinking like oh my gosh like imagine imagine if it just became a thing like okay aliens are real and here's some crafts like, like that it's been such a fantasy for all of us you know especially you know, some of us that if you're born in the 50s it was comics and 60s it was tv and 70s it was star wars and you know video games and last of us and it's like to know that it's actually real at this point i think it's almost like it's like meeting a very famous person. When I met Keith Richards and I walked in the room and he was standing there and we were hanging out, I was like, I can't believe this is a real guy. <laughs> and people get that with, with, with Chris Jericho sometimes. It's not that I'm Keith Richards, but you know, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, if it's real and you actually see it, I don't even know how I would even act. Like, what would you even <laughs> do? You know, how would you even uh, conduct yourself? 
prime example, man. I'm on Talk is Jericho. Like, I'm having that moment <laughs> right now. But seriously, like, I, I spoke to a gentleman who went to this congressional hearing, and he's in his 80s. And he's been pursuing the UFO mystery for more than half his life. To do something like that, to pursue a truth you believe in so much, and to know you're kind of on the, uh, the latter half of life and you're no closer to those answers... I can't imagine like sitting at a congressional hearing and hearing two Top Gun Navy pilots saying, I was outmaneuvered by UFO. I don't believe it came from this planet. Yeah. And then to have this other guy saying, oh, not only that, dude, we've got the craft. We've reverse engineered it and we know where they come from. Not only that, I'll give you the names of the people working on the program and where the UFOs are. I'm sure he never saw that day coming. I put myself in his shoes. What, what's that be like to sit there and mm-hmm. have that vindication that what you've been chasing, this mystery your entire life is playing out before your very eyes. It's, it's humbling. It's like catching a Loch Ness Monster or something where you just can't <laughs> believe it actually came true. But exactly. let, let's talk about, the, about Canada's UFO project. We've got with the US Congress, but there's some stuff going on in Canada that we wanted to kind of get out there. Yeah. So um, this is pretty exciting. We learned just a few months back that... Um, you know, once the United States kind of admitted, yeah, yeah, we've been investigating UFOs, we, they even established a new department called Aero. The Department of Defense is looking at UFOs again, Project Blue Book 2.0. They're going to come out saying, that's ah, no risk. Everything's fine. Move on. But this legislation and this hearing is fighting against that, saying, no, there is, there's a there there, and we need to figure out what it is. Canada's doing that too. Um, they're not looking at it as a national security threat, per se. This project, it's called uh, Sky Canada Project. It's being headed by the Office of the Chief Science Advisor of Canada. So we're talking like top-notch nerds in Canada working on UFOs. And they're looking at it from a scientific perspective, hmm. whereas the United States is looking at it militarily. If this technology exists... How can we weaponize it? You know that's what the United States is thinking. Typical difference between America and Canada, right? (laughs) (laughs) Man, Canada's looking at it from a scientific perspective. And as usual, being the polite ones in the room said, also, all of our information is going to be made public, Mm. which is a huge difference from the United States as well. So, yeah, we're seeing this new project. And this is the first time in 30 years that Canada has even attempted to investigate UFOs, allegedly. Uh, We've learned from the US that maybe it's happening in the shadows. But yeah, they are going to be looking at it. They've hired some of the brightest minds in in Canada to uh, try to study these things. What are these UFOs? What are the maneuvers they're making? Um, Can they be explained by any sort of natural phenomena? Or are these craft from another world? Let's try to figure it out. And if we can understand the technology being used with these UFOs. How do they work? How do they maneuver? Why aren't there any wings? Why aren't there any signs of propulsion? That's a technology we just simply don't have here on Earth yet, Mm. to our knowledge. And if we can understand that, how can that benefit humanity overall? So I think this proactive approach by Canada is um, extremely hopeful and optimistic. And again, the fact that they're willing to share all the information in a public report that they're going to have out in uh, late 2024, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we'll actually get more out of Canada on this whole UFO question than we'll probably ever get through congressional hearings in the United States. Leave it to the Canucks, right? Yeah. Once again, just thinking about this, you know, you mentioned the technology, to be able to fly a spacecraft through space for however long that takes, it would just, I think, blow our minds just how they're able to do that, you know, and, and from, from, a, from a weaponization standpoint as well. Like just to think, once again, that there's a planet with biologics that have factories or whatever the hell, the hell they have that are creating things and, and mines. And it's just really, really strange to think like we're this close to all of that being true, just like every comic book or movie that we've ever seen. Science fiction is becoming science fact. Yeah, I like science fact. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) You you look at like Roddenberry and how ahead of the time he was and all these science fiction writers, and it becomes that chicken and egg. 
Yeah. Is their forward thinking so ahead of its time that eventually it influences our actual advancements in science here on planet Earth or vice versa? You know, are we mirroring what we're seeing play out with these UFOs? That That's another big thing, too, is UFOs seem to always be at the head of us. They are what we aspire to be in terms of technology and exploring the cosmos. And, you know, if they're zipping in and out of our atmosphere from interstellar space within moments, that's something we're trying to do here on Earth. And we might never fully get there, but we're seeing it happen with these UFOs. So it's a very interesting kind of sociological experiment to look at. We, we are the UFOs. We want to be the UFOs. Mm. Um, so it's a matter of what are they and can we eventually be them? I don't know, but I think we're getting closer. I, I've told the story before, but just kind of interesting what you said. Did, you know, did, the, did the Roddenberries influence us from what they were influenced when they were a kid? And I did a, a show year, years ago called Robot Combat League, and it was about giant fighting robots. And it was very archaic in their design. They still had to have kind of a kickstand on rollers so they wouldn't fall down. But these things, if they punched you, they had 2,000... PSI punch per square inch, you could literally cave your head in. So I'm like, okay, so you take this archaically slow giant robot, and if you put series, you know, intelligence in it, you've got the original version of a Terminator, for example. Hmm. And George Lucas was on set because his daughter was one of the people that were kind of fighting, one of the contestants, I guess. And I asked him, is it weird to you that all of this stuff that you kind of created in the 70s is now coming true? You know, with cell phones and like, you know, Star Trek, where you could see each other on the screen. Like, that was no way. He goes, no, all of that stuff that I had in the 70s came from comic books in the 50s. So it's weird to see this stuff actually happening. Not that I created, but that I read about when I was a kid in the 40s and 50s. So it's really this self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. You know, or is it? You know, because we talk about aliens in the Bible and there's pyramids and there's all this sort of stuff. Like, it's just really weird that it's, it's always, they've always been a part of our history and society but now it might actually curtain back, hey, guys, let's work together. Or are we trying to take over the planet? Is there an evil stint to it? Who knows? Who knows, man? Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people think, too, like aliens seeded us on this planet. That's another way out there theory Yeah, that's out there that like we're like their big experiment and that they created God or they created our Jesus or or any sort of influential character within any major religion to kind of keep us in order, right? keep us in line. So you do have to wonder. You truly have to wonder. It, this topic of UFOs hits everything. Religion, economics, soft, hard sciences. It's endless. That's what I find so deeply fascinating about this topic. You can connect it to anything in the world and um, come out on the other side asking some pretty profound questions about why we're here and, and what's truly out there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's a couple of things you were talking about, the, the NASA's UAP report, which, of course, UAP is unidentified. <laughs> anomalous phenomena, they're calling it. Unidentified anomalous phenomenon? An anomalous phenomena, yeah. An what, what a government term that is, right? Like, come on, dude. Like, I can't it's even crazy. pronounce that. Anomal <laughs> anomalous phenomenon. Like, just making it more confusing, you know? Yeah, they're changing the terminology constantly. And I think there's a meaning behind that. I do. I think it's to keep us, you know, from UFO, to kind of steer us all away from it. Actually, because what I was looking up, it says unidentified aerial phenomenon is one of the UAP definitions. Yeah, that was when uh, they first started talking about all this again. That was the term they used. Then within the last few months, they changed it to anomalous phenomena. So they're just like Jeez, they're just juggling <laughs> all these terms back and forth. Typical kind of like bureaucratic stuff going on. But um, I think there's more to it. Like I said, I think they just want to get us all so confused on what they're actually talking about that we'll forget that there was just a UFO hearing 
not a UAP hearing, but a UFO hearing on the congressional floor. So, yeah, it's crazy. And what exactly do you think the report is going to include in it? We have a lot of things going on here. NASA is doing their own independent study, uh, which is cool. It kind of reminds me of the Sky Canada project. They collected 16 team members from around the United States, um, many who worked for NASA in the past, many who still work for NASA. We're talking everything from physics to astrobiology to oceanography. I actually interviewed an oceanographer that's working on this UAP NASA project um, last week. And what do the oceanographers say? Are these things underwater too? Or what do you mean? So from what I gathered, her name is Dr. Paula Bontempi. She worked for NASA for 18 years. She's won every award NASA has to offer. Um, That's why they hired her for this team. And the reason they hired her is because so many UFO reports that have come in have happened either over bodies of water or even at this congressional hearing. One of the Navy pilots brought forth a UFO case out near, um, I believe it was Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, where a pilot reported a massive red cube-shaped UFO emerged from the ocean, went over the Air Force Base, wow. jammed all of the radars on the flights going on around there, and then took off into space. So, I mean, again, this is coming from a highly credible Top Gun Navy pilot. Right. So NASA's like, okay, you know, we look at everything in outer space. We should also be looking at whatever's happening in our oceans as well. They're just as mysterious as outer space. And like I said, many of the UFO reports that came forward by all these pilots have happened over bodies of water. So um, she's looking at it from that angle. Like, what can I do as an oceanographer to contribute to this conversation of UFOs and to this eventual study that NASA is doing? I mean, any day now, man. I think they're saying late August is when the NASA UFO report is going to drop. So it's like Christmas every day for me. I'm just like going to bed, (laughs) waiting for the next whatever UFO report to come out from all these various groups. So it's exciting. Well, it's very exciting. Once again, it's also a little bit like, you know, it's a little bit scary and nervous as well. Yeah. You know, you you are uh, working with a geologist who has some interesting information. Let's kind of delve into that a bit. Yeah, sure. So speaking of recovery of UFOs or UFO materials, uh, I have been working with a geologist out in Roswell, New Mexico uh, for a couple of years now, actually. I had the pleasure of going to the Roswell UFO crash site with him after uh, he contacted me. It told me, I've been out there at this supposed crash site looking for anything they left behind 70 plus years ago during the Roswell UFO crash. You know, like there's no way the United States, whatever, Army, Air Force recovered every single piece of that crashed UFO. (laughs) So this guy, man, for years was out there with a metal detector on his hands and knees, whatever, looking for this stuff. And he found things a few feet below the surface of the desert out there. So whatever those things were, it was through erosion, through time, through weather. They had kind of made their way down into the earth. So he was able to dig up a lot of these small metallic fragments. And, you know, you might think maybe it's trash, aluminum cans or something someone left out there. I'll tell you this much. It's the most remote area in New Mexico. There's no way anyone was partying out there, nothing like that. But not only these metal fragments, he found buttons out there that were carbon dated and they were found out to be military fatigue buttons from the 1940s. Wow. Right then I'm like, okay, there's something to what this guy's saying. They're finding military buttons back in the 40s. That means you're imagining these guys out there picking up every little piece of this UFO they found back in 1947, this picture is starting to form in my head. I think there's something to this. So I went out there to the crash site with this guy. Uh, He found more fragments and I actually brought them to an aerospace lab in California and I had them tested. And, you know, three of them came back, total prosaic explanation. Three of them, the metallurgists at this lab could not account for what they actually were. The composition of these metal fragments were far beyond anything they'd seen. 
they asked us straight up, where did you find these? And we didn't want to go in saying at a UFO crash site because we didn't want to kind of influence that or have them turn us away. <laughs> so we said, oh, they're just, you know, we found them and uh, we have the money, like just shut up and do the tests. And uh, they did. And they were found to be highly anomalous. That being said, uh, just a few weeks ago, I got a call from this geologist. Uh, I should mention his name is Frank Kimbler. Awesome, awesome guy out there every day looking for UFO crash material. And uh, he found more. I just got word, actually, that some of these materials, I actually have a quote. He said, um, I had more tests done at the New Mexico Military Institute, uh, which is where he, he works and also has things tested. And he also had tests done at a separate lab, and they were able to cross-reference the results, and they came back exactly the same, which is very important. He said that three tests came back in their unknown alloys with element compositions that are not registered in the various alloy tables that are available. They appear to be similar to 6,000 series alloys and a high concentration of barium. And the reason he pointed this out, Chris, is because these alloys are only constructed here on Earth at the atomic level and only constructed by the most highly advanced aerospace companies in existence. So why is this geologist finding these metal fragments from the most highly advanced aerospace alloys several feet below the ground at a UFO crash site from 1947? Hmm. I don't know what to make of it yet, man. We're, we're still waiting. We're getting more tests done on these things right now. But the fact that he's finding these things out there from a 1947 crash site, it says something. Either... Our most highly advanced aerospace metals, they were testing them out in that desert in 1947, or these metals come from somewhere other than Earth. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You mentioned that the geologist called you and these people are calling you. You're kind of a, an expert in the field. What other calls do you get? And do you get kind of, you know, is there interesting ones, anonymous calls, threatening calls? I've never gotten those calls where, you know, they threaten you and hang up or anything like that. But, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I was on the phone with this UFO whistleblower only a week before this congressional hearing. Because of the work I've done for 20 plus years in this field, I think people trust and value my insights, my opinions on this stuff and the responsibility I know that comes with that. When you have like a intelligence officer or a geologist saying, bro, I've got pieces of an alien craft. Right. That says something. They easily could go to anyone. They could go to another scientist. They could go to the government. Instead, they come to me because they know that I'm going to treat this with the respect I think it deserves, the seriousness I think it deserves, and it's not going to be swallowed up by some government entity. Right. If this legislation passes in terms of the government will now own any UFO crash materials. Like, say goodbye to the metals I'm having tested. I'm going to be <laughs> one of those people who they're going to swipe this stuff from. It's it's kind of a catch-22, man. Like, I'm so happy the government is like, stop doing these black budget programs. Like, we want these UFOs back. But at the same time, I'm like, but I just want to keep mine. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever get any calls like, hey, back off, man. You're getting too close to the sun here. There was a time where I was looking into some claims here in the UK, actually. I, I'm actually an expatriate. I live in Scotland right now. and um, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I've been working with a documentary crew on a famous UFO case that happened here in Scotland, where um, this famous UFO photo was taken in Calvine, Scotland, of some sort of like crazy diamond-shaped UFO. If you type in Calvine UFO, um, it's probably one of the clearest UFO photos you'll ever see. Calvin UFO? Calvin UFO, yep. And 
this photo was rumored to exist for 30 plus years, but no one ever saw it until this past year when the RAF officer who actually interviewed the original witnesses of this UFO case came forward and released the photo. He said, oh yeah, I've had it in my desk for 30 years. Do you guys want it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes, we've been. This has been like the UK's uh, Roswell for so long. Come on, it had it had disappeared for thirty two years before resurfacing. Exactly. <laughs> so I actually I met up with the RAF officer a few months ago, and we went to the actual site where the photo was taken. And in discussing this with him, he's said on several occasions that he was told back off, don't keep investigating this. And um, that he has received calls throughout the years. Have you talked to anyone about that Calvine thing from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago now? Mm -hmm. And he said no. And they were just like, good, good. We're just checking. We're just checking. But now that he's come forward with the photo and, you know, there's people out there talking about it. I'm sure that my phone is being tapped <laughs> on several occasions when I've talked to him. But um, other than that, like, I can't say I've had that call in the middle of the night where there's no one on the other line or heavy <laughs> breathing. I wish that when that actually happens, then that's when I'll know um, I'm actually Fox Mulder, I guess. But we, can, we can all only hope. <laughs> Trust nobody. Yeah. Do you get a lot of you know information about sightings and those types of things? Like, is, are there still quite a few sightings in this day and age? You would think there'd be tons with everyone having a, a camera now. Right. You know, and that's skeptics' biggest argument is why are we not seeing more photos or videos? Like, we have these devices on us 24-7. We should be having the most clear photos of UFOs. Or like, if someone's being abducted by aliens, why are they not yeah. recording this and putting it on TikTok or whatever? And, you know, I don't have a, a good argument for that other than when people are having these experiences, they're deeply personal, they're deeply profound. I saw a UFO when I was a kid with my father. Well, tell, tell us that story. Sure. Yeah. Um, Central New York, 1995, I saw a black triangle UFO with my dad. We were fishing off the St. Lawrence River up in Central New York, and we saw this big, massive black UFO that hovered silently over this river. And then it actually um, drifted over the river and over into Canada. So it became your problem <laughs> after that, man. I don't know what happened with that black triangle. But maybe Sky Canada will figure it out. You know, this is 95. I didn't have a cell phone or anything. But even if I did, the last thing on my mind would be, let me record this. Let me capture this. My dad and I were just frozen on that dock. Yeah, yeah you're enthralled, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so many people have told me that. I, the first, and yes, I get reports every single day. I've written two books that are full of hundreds of UFO cases that have happened in the past four or five years. Everyone says the same damn thing. It was a moment for me that was for me to experience. I don't care about getting likes on Instagram. I don't care about getting this out to the world. What I saw was for me. I don't judge anyone for that. So um, yeah, these things are very personal. They're very profound. The implication to having a UFO sighting alone can change your entire life. I mean, it did for me. We're having this conversation today. I never thought that would happen. Sure. But it did. I saw something and it changed my life. And yeah, man, I think that's kind of why we don't see more evidence of these things. Uh, but they're happening every single day all around the world. And it's not just military pilots seeing these things. It's people like you and me and your barista at the coffee shop or sure. the tour bus driver. It does matter. Everyone's had an experience they can't explain. Those are the stories I want to hear. Well, and, and from the stories that you had heard, what are some of the most fantastic ones? Are there, are there some, I mean, obviously, it's like, I saw, you know, some lights in the air, but is there something deeper than that of, of stories that you've been told? Yeah. So there's two that have come to me recently that uh, I really like to stress the high strangeness aspect to a lot of this stuff. Uh, the first one happened here in Fife, Scotland, actually, where um, this guy named Tommy came to me with this UFO story that I... I've never heard a report like this. He's riding his bike home with a friend of his, and they see this like oil slick in the middle of the road, you know, where like gasoline collects in a pothole or whatever. They're trying to ride their bikes around this oil slick, and they notice it getting bigger and bigger in the road. They're like, holy shit, what the what is going on here? And not only that, this oil slick starts bubbling, like boiling in the middle of the road. 
and they stop. And all of a sudden, this oil slick starts to levitate off of the ground. Oh, my gosh. Like a few feet off the ground and get bigger <laughs> and bigger and bigger. All of a sudden, like electricity starts shooting out of this, what they called a bubbling black blob. Oh, my gosh. Dude, it, it was crazy. And then it kept getting higher and higher. And then eventually it shot off into the air and disappeared into like space. And they were just left there dumbfounded. And I, I never <laughs> come across a black blob UFO before. So that one really sticks out to me as holy. That's the kind of story that comes to me where I'm like, I believe you. This wasn't a flying saucer. This wasn't a black sure. triangle that I've heard a million times before. The uniqueness and the weirdness of these cases is what actually uh, attracts me and makes me wonder, that is too weird to have just made up, mm. in my personal opinion. So that one really stuck out to me. And then there's one other military case that is pretty batshit. I don't know if you want me to get into it or not. Please. That's what we're here for. We want batshit. Give us batshit. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I mentioned Arrow this department within the uh, Defense Department that's now studying UFOs. So they've interviewed various individuals who were part of the military who had UFO encounters because they want to get a idea of the historical side to all of this, and it might help them explain current UFO cases as well. So this guy, Mario Woods, came to me about um, an event that he had back in, oh gosh, this had to be back in the late 60s, early 70s, he was a security police officer at a nuclear installation, and he was on duty one night, and their red alert went off. So that means that something breached a nuclear missile silo at this nuclear installation. So they sent him and his partner out to investigate, and it was at this site called November 5, and this is where some of our most highly advanced nuclear missiles were being housed at this base. They go out to the site. They drive up to where this breach happened, and they see this massive elliptical object hovering over the nuclear missile silo. They're just enthralled. I mean, they, they don't know what to do. Mario says that his partner, who was driving at the time, was completely frozen, mouth open, didn't say a word, didn't react to any of this. It was like almost suspended animation in, in the moment. And Mario is like flipping out, like he's getting out of the car, trying to like look up at this thing. He said um, he could feel an electricity, like a static all over his body. He felt like time had slowed down when he looked up at this UFO. And then boom, everything goes black. He wakes up. And when he wakes up, it's to the sound of his radio going off in the car. And when he responds, they're like, Mario, where are you? What, what is going on? Like, we lost all communication with you. What is happening? And he looks around and the silo is nowhere to be found. And there's just this big white wall. He comes to find out he's next to a reservoir that was near the installation almost nine miles away. So whatever happened between seeing the UFO over the silo and waking up, him and his partner had somehow gotten nine miles away and over, I believe it was two hours had passed. So he had two hours of missing time between UFO and blacking out. And again, he wakes up and his partner is still there frozen yeah. to the steering wheel. Wow. This is crazy, man. They get him back to like the office. They interrogate him and his partner for like 12 hours about what had happened, what they remembered. Office of Special Investigations for the Air Force got involved. So they're like the police who police the military and look into special investigations. They interrogated the hell out of these guys, tried to figure out what was going on. And then they got the typical, don't ever speak about this, don't ever talk about this. A week later, they sent his partner to like China or something, got him away from that base because they didn't want these guys together talking about this event at all. Hmm. He had to sign a bunch of non-disclosure agreements. He had to have a bunch of medical tests done to test him for radiation, stuff like that. To this day, he still has no answers to what it was that happened. But something happened over that nuclear missile silo. Something happened where he's missing two hours of time right. and was found nine, 10 miles away 
from where the event happened. So that one's crazy. It's probably one of the most dramatic cases I've come across that I uh, put in one of my books. All we can hope for is that his partner is somewhere out there and he'll come forward and talk about this thing too. Um, We have an active private investigation going on to try to track down his partner. He won't come out of hiding or whatever. You you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We, we don't know where he is, where he's at now, what he thinks about all this. But um, my hope is that we can get these two guys together and they can hash this thing out because it's deeply affected Mario. Sure. I mean, he was in tears by the end of my conversation with him. So something happened and something dramatically affected him. And it happened over November 5 back then. And it's stuck with me ever since. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever spoken to anybody that, that was abducted? All the time. Yeah. I, I've, I've spoken to many quote unquote experiencers or abductees. A lot of them don't even like being called abductees because they don't feel like they were taken against their will. Oh, um, yeah. They wanted to go. They found it beneficial. Um, and you know, abductions are tough. Like I, I don't really know where I stand on them. Even being a UFO guy every day of my life, like I would consider myself an open-minded skeptic. Like I'm open to any possibility to be completely honest. Um, But I've come across many abduction cases, some very dark, some very uh, funny and awkward, and and some just downright weird. And I I don't know where I personally stand on it. But again, it's a case of these people were, something happened, something traumatic, something life-changing. I mean, I remember interviewing a woman who said she was abducted and I met her in a diner with her husband and I thought it would be like, oh, this is going to be so cool. It was my first, it was like when I first got into UFOs, I'm like, this would be a cool story to tell in like an article or a book someday. And I kind of went in naive thinking, yeah, let, yeah, let's, let's get this thing down and get it out there. And I left that meeting being like, holy shit, man, this really traumatized this person. I mean, when she told me about this abduction where like these grays, took her, put her on a table, experimented on her. It was terrifying. She could remember seeing like beads of sweat coming off of these little gray beings. And she didn't know where she was or what was going on. When I looked at her telling this story, I look over and she's like clenching her husband's hand so tight and leaving indents in his skin as she's telling me this. And she's just bawling her eyes out. Um, That's when I knew like this wasn't just a cool story. If this is real, if aliens or something had abducted this woman, first of all, terrifying. And second of all, let's say like everything this David Grush whistleblower is saying is true. Like there's non-biologics out there. They exist. We know about them. We're going to eventually make contact with these beings. Then what? They've been abducting humans and doing experiments on them and, and destroying these people's lives or some women claim that like their babies were taken by aliens. Like that's how far out and dark these stories get. If any of that's true, like how do we hold these non-terrestrial beings accountable for things like that? So again, there's just so many bigger questions to be asked of all these uh, subsets of the UFO phenomenon and abductions are only scratching the surface. You know, I've had some UFO experts on in the past talking about all the different styles of aliens and species of aliens. There's the the alien chart Mm -hmm. that one of the dudes showed me from little green men to giant, you know, behemoth, Bigfoot type beasts. Do you feel that there's like a galaxy of, of, I love the biologics out there of different, something like you'd see like in a star Wars where they go to the, to the council and you see the you know (laughs) 5,000 different species of alien creatures in there. Do you feel that's kind of the case? I think it's possible. I mean, again, like you look at just the varying life here on our planet. You've got humans, you've got amphibians, you've got mammals. Right. And we've all sort of evolved into different things. And 
you truly have to wonder if there is intelligent life anywhere out there, it's probably going to look nothing like us. So you are going to get big hairy beasts or little greys or um, right, right. zephlopods or whatever they are. Um, I, I definitely think that's a possibility for sure. It's probably going to look so foreign to us that we won't even be able to truly comprehend it. I mean, Carl Sagan once said, you know, if we ever were to find like alien life, it's going to be so incomprehensible to us that we won't even know how to um, how to really wrap our heads around it. So, yeah, I, I do believe that if if it's out there, if it's visited our planet, it probably takes many different forms. It's probably many different races. And then that comes with the scariest question, I think, is what motivations do each of those have? Are some good? Are some bad? Are some here to invade? Are some here to save us from our own self-destruction? Um, yeah, th- there's so many questions that can be asked of that. So yeah, again, I think you're right. A lot of this stuff is cool and exciting, but when you really dig into it and look at it and the implication it could have, it becomes terrifying very, very quickly. So kind of ending it off with what we're talking about here, you know, with the congressional hearings, I'm assuming that David uh, Grush is not the only whistleblower out there. Uh, will there be more coming forward to talk about all this stuff and kind of to shine the spotlight on what's being hidden and what's going on? So I believe that David Grush was the first to kind of step on the landmines and suffer the slings and arrows of being a UFO whistleblower. He has an open investigation with the inspector general to investigate these individuals who are working on these programs, like we mentioned earlier. And he has received very direct and harsh death threats. His home has been broken into and things have been seized, files, documents, computers, things like this for him coming forward. Um, His professional reputation is basically gone. He's lost all his security clearances because he's come forward with all of this. So there's a lot. There's a lot of implication to becoming a whistleblower in anything, not just UFOs. Look at Snowden. Like the dude's never allowed back in the United States. Um, <laughs> right. So we're kind of looking at Grush as like our UFO Snowden right now. Like, is he going to move to Russia or, or, or something equivalent to that? I don't think so. I think he's in this for the long haul. He's the first of many. And like he said, he's willing to name these people. Not only that, the Senate including Chuck Schumer, mind you, the gentleman who's putting this legislation through, has spoken to other whistleblowers who have actually worked on the programs that David Grush is talking about. So I do believe in the next year or so, um, this is all happening for a reason, like we mentioned earlier. There's a reason this legislation is being pushed through. There's a reason these congressional hearings are happening. I don't know why, but I do believe more whistleblowers are going to come forward. And I think we've only scratched the surface. And I think this is only the beginning of something um, that is ultimately going to change the way we think, not only about UFOs, but probably uh, humanity in general. And I'm just riding the wave, man. <laughs> I'm just riding the wave. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's going to change the, the, the entire concept of humanity. The ego and arrogance that humans are the only living creatures on the planet. It's like, boom, or on, on the galaxy, that goes right out the window. Yeah, it's, again... That's why I love this topic. Um, it gives it gives you purpose. It, it makes you think there's more out there than than our day to day lives. And um, I'm just like I said, I embrace every weird story that comes to me. That's why I do what I do. I want answers for myself, as I'm sure you do. To why are we here? What's out there? Mm. You know, while we may not find out why we're here, I think we're getting closer to answering that question of Are we alone? I don't know if we're gonna like the answer one way or or the other, but we're going to find out. It's interesting to say the least, 2023 in a nutshell. Last question for you. Fast forward, I don't know, 10 years. What do you think we're going to be experiencing with the biologics and the UAPs and the UFOs? So, Any predictions? I do. You know, when I hear the term uh, non-human biologics, something creeps into my mind. And that's this other big debate we're having in the world right now. And that's AI. What is it? Where's it all heading? Is it ultimately going to become Terminator and destroy us all? Yeah. When that AI becomes, uh, you know, sentient and and overtakes (laughs) us, you know, could some of these UFOs be artificial intelligence? Oh, wow. 
Yeah, man. Like, it's crazy. There's theories being put out there right now by very credible scientists and physicists that um, time travel might be possible, which, again, going back to that science fiction and science fact, like, we're getting closer to unraveling some of these things we thought were never possible. I'm, I'm under this weird, crazy theory right now that UFOs might actually be artificial intelligence piloted vehicles from the future. That's where I'm at, man. I'll probably change my mind tomorrow on that. But um, that springs to mind when I hear non-human, not necessarily from another planet, not, not what or where, but when. Amazing stuff, Ryan. It's great to talk to you about this. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next few years and even over the next few months. So we'll have you back on soon to analyze everything, especially when they come down to uh, meet us and greet us. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. As usual, I always appreciate it. Great talking to you. You too.